Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's going on, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas, and we are just gonna get right into it, Jim. Also, you know what? We have to talk about our sponsor for a little bit. We don't we don't do oh. that nearly enough. Hamburg Brewing Company. It's that time of the year. Get your sours, get your IPAs, get your hoptimoniums. Jim, uh, what are you working tonight? Hey, or we got ninety. We have some we have some real weather coming this weekend, right? In Buffalo here, I'm yeah. here in 85, 90, so. Juice box, some juice box boys. Box boy, Lakeview Lager, like we like. Lakeview Lager, pimp that out for They'll a reason. Flowing. That's They'll smooth. be flowing. They'll be flowing. Keep Definitely. us cool, hydrated, hydrated, cool. There's been some, uh, there's been some nights here with the the new addition to the Dunn family, where you know a beer may need to be cracked open. So Tyler, you know. let's all congratulate you, man. Just let me let me know how it's going. <laughs> T- tell us all how it's going. Is everything the same? Nothing's oh man, changed? life is it's it's amazing. You cannot even put it into words. If I were to turn this camera around in our basement, it's just like a war zone of yeah. toy. And because obviously, like Serafino, Sonny, our boy, and he's all of nine days old. But um, <laughs> so you know, we're you're, you're just you're just keeping this thing alive, basically he's sleeping and pooping and eating. But then that attention kind of draws you away from the twenty month year old, twenty one month old Ella, who's all over the place and um wouldn't ask for anything else it's it's the best it's the absolute best and awesome. everybody's healthy it was just a moment you cannot even describe so we got to get right into it though uh nfc west talk today and i'm really pumped for our guest here today jim it's uh the great john middlecoff out there in california you do a lot of things john um a former scout with the eagles Fantastic podcast with Guy Haberman, right? Or is it Haberman? Guy, it's Haberman. Haberman. Love tuning into that when I can. Because like we talk a lot about on here, Jim, like there's a lot of people out there in sports media who just kind of like dance around what they mean to say. They're afraid of offending people. And I mean, you just like cut right through the bullshit, which is what I always love about you, John. So thanks for coming on to talk a little Niners, talk a little NFC West. Trey Lance, you know, maybe he is the second coming of Christ. I'm not sure. We'll get into that a little bit, but uh, how, how are you doing out there? Uh, I'm doing good. Just been a practice the last couple of days, enjoying, uh, you know, I guess we still got another month of summer, but football's in the air. Uh, obviously out here, I mean, Trey Lance is, you know, taking the headlines. 
And I mean, you know, the Giants are in first place. The Warriors are always doing shit. It's not even a contest. It shows you football. Jim, you know, you've been around the league, played the Niners. I mean, they, when they get some life in them, they are, I think they're an underrated just NFL brand because since the Yorks took over for Eddie, they've been a weird franchise. They've either been terrible or they've had the four Harbaugh years. And then the, and then Kyle's year of the Super Bowl. It's like, they don't just like make a wild card, get bounced. They go to the Super Bowl or the NFC championship. And they're like a yard away from the Super Bowl. And that, that run. And I'm some, I grew up around the Sacramento area. My dad was diehard Montana guy still to his dying days was never going to give Tom Brady over Montana. You know, (laughs) that, that you, you have 20 years of, and the Patriots will be like this with, you know, several generations of people that grew up on Tom and Bill. It changes your franchise forever. Right. And, and if you can do it, if, if Kyle can build on it, like the Yankees and the, and the Lakers are good. They won so long for so many, you just create so many fans. It just, and the Niners just have so many generations of people that just care. And obviously Kyle kind of lit a f- fire a couple years ago. Last year was tough, but when he made that trade and uh, the unknown was so cool, uh, I, you know, the Mac Jones thing scared a lot of people for sure, but <laughs> who cares? They, they, they took Trey who, uh, who, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into, but it just has, and just the team. I mean, they got, you know, Kittle's a star out here. He's very likable. Uh, Fred Warner's a really, people just love crazy, you know, for, for an offensive franchise, Right, that's what Walsh and, and Mariucci and now Kyle and even G, even though Jim was probably more wired like a defensive guy, but he was a quarterback. Uh, they've had just historically great defensive players, and they're great teams. You know, I, I was young in the I don't remember a lot of the '80s teams, but I remember like my first Niner team that I was in love with was like the mid mid '90 '94 team that won it. I mean, from Tim McDonald to Bryant Young to the, you know Gary Plummer to Ken Norton Jr. Merton Eric Hanks. Davis. Yeah, Merton Hanks, they signed Dion. Like, their defenses, when they've been good, the Harbaugh years are, have been elite, you know, elite. But they, it's just, you say the Niners, people think offense, but really, when they've been, and, and, and Kyle's year two years ago, they had like the best defense in the league. So it's just, it's a defensive, uh, it's a defensive team that gets talked about offense all the time, though. I mean, let's just jump right into that trade because that we, we've talked about it on here and, I mean, I we we kind of went back and forth a little bit. I know Jim wasn't as big of a fan of the Trey Lance pick. I kind of came around to it, and I just love it at this point. When the more you look at it, and all these teams that kind of live in mediocrity and doing just enough to get to eight and eight, right? Like, let's extend Kirk Cousins. Let's stick with Matt Ryan. Let's draft Mac Jones and have him compete with Cam. I I love Kyle Shanahan just putting his proverbial testicles right on the table, saying, "All right." Three first-round picks, a fourth. I'm getting that third overall pick. I'm taking Trey Lance. Like, let's have and go. I mean, you're there. You're there at training camp. I'm just talking to people who who love Trey Lance. And now that you've seen him with your own eyes and what he could potentially do with maybe the best play caller in the game, what do you expect to see th- this season and beyond? Well, I'd argue this just on the trade itself we probably have to look back in NFL history, given that it was so far before the draft and it was the third pick, right? We've seen some historic first and seconds, but I'd say it's the craziest pick in a vacuum. The third pick in a, and once you factor in like a Corona year, a guy they ended up taking played one game. Like it wasn't, it's pretty nuts. So just that trading, it was crazy. It was incredible out here. Everyone had an opinion. It was nuts. And 
I think part of Trey, and I was thinking about this. Now that I'm, I'm an outsider, been for a while, Jim, you were in the league a long time. Like when you, when you're in the league, you just know so much about the player. And I'm not even talking about physical, like on the field. You just know so much about the human being. And when you talk about these players, and I remember when I scouted the West Coast and you go school to school, as much as you are like watching the tape, every school you're really finding out about the human. And that's something that most people on the outside don't know, right? They don't, especially a guy like Trey Lance. Like I, I think we often know a lot about the maybe the bigger school guys, kind of. But sometimes the, the narrative on the outside is different from, the, from what's the truth on the inside. And one defining attribute of like Trey Lance so far is like how high level of a guy he is, how impressive he is, how mature he is for his age, which I think right away, naturally, even from like a media fan standpoint, you don't necessarily think of on small school guys, but it's, it's, you know, every guy's a different guy, right? So just because you're at North Dakota state, you might be a higher level guy than a guy at USC. So to me, like he's physically, he has elite skills, right? He's big, he can throw it, he's accurate, he can run. But, like, the transition is pretty nuts, right? They just signed him to a contract. I think he got, like, a $24 million signing bonus. So the dude came from North Dakota State to a wire. I don't know if it's hit yet, but it should hit in the next, like, seven days. A $24 million wire. <laughs> so that alone, like, the, we never talk about that. Like, I, I never do. I don't know. But you get – you're a journalist. Get into, like, the nitty-gritty about people. I don't, but just – it's not a lot of sports conversation. Like, how intense that moment would be. And just for the last week, everyone's blowing him, right? Everyone's talking about him. There's not a person around that doesn't want him to start. Like, how can he handle that? And Jimmy's sitting right next to him every day. And from what I've heard, knowing a lot of people in that building, like, they're blown away just how impressive he is. So it's like that is a huge element of – think about the guys that have been successful. Mahomes. Well, I know Andy and Veach. I, I don't even think he gets the due for being as high level of a guy he is and how hard he works. I know I was with Sean McDermott in Philly, like Josh Allen's pretty impressive. You know, the, the, the human being, right? Lamar, I, I've been, I wasn't a big Lamar guy, but every time you watch him talk, you're like, God, I've come around on this guy. I kind of find myself rooting for him. And you never know until like a lot of guys that fail with talent don't have that. Yeah. Now we'll see. I mean, I'm not trying, like you still got to prove it on the field and the games and the blitzes and reading the defenses and you're just going to, I mean, shit, Russell Wilson a couple of years ago, didn't he have a five interception game? Like bad shit's going to happen. Russell so Wilson, Russell Wilson played like shit against the giants last year. Like these guys, people don't realize how hard it, you know, that's it's, you just never know how hard it is. And then the whole Trey Lance thing, I, I'm a Justin Fields. I just didn't understand why there was such a, a gap between Fields and Trey Lance. When it, I was with me, you. I, I think okay. Justin Fields going to 12 is insane. I just had never, I mean, he was everything to me you could want. And you saw everything you needed to see. Where when I watched Trey Lance, I am I'm only saw two games on him that I pulled off YouTube. So it was kind of weak on my, you know, my evaluation. They weren't that good. Like he was yeah. making guys work. He was missing easy throws. And I'm like, what? Okay, yeah, you see the arm strength and running around. And obviously he's off the charts, brilliant and a leader. So he has a chance to make it for sure. But um I was just surprised you would go that hard on that guy off the tape. Like they really felt they, they had conviction on him as far as, like you said, they knew him, they studied him. They know that there's more to come and they, they have that feeling and you have to respect that. Well, it would have been a disaster, but I think they also had conviction in Mac Jones when they made that's, the trade. That's, that's like, 
That's insane. But that's Kyle's leading the charge. And that, you know, so that's why they made the move when they did. They were good with either one. And so what happened is once they make the move, John Beck, the BYU kid, he's not a kid, he's probably 35 now, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is Kyle's guy. So once they made that move, they weren't hiding anything. So John Beck's a workout guy. So they tell Trey, the day they made the trade, we need you immediately to start working out with John Beck. <laughs> so once he starts working out with John Beck, who Kyle really trusts, like they already right. knew everything they knew need to know about Mac. Then he starts telling them like, jam, damn, damn. And then they start being around them, get to spend time, start zooming with them. And they don't have to hide any of them because at 12, it would have been impossible. Right. You're yeah. just, but at three, they didn't give a shit. Cause especially they saw as their guy, they, they know who's going one. They, they just knew, knew the they group. knew. Right. Yeah. So they knew that they could kind of double down. Now I, I, it would have been insane to take Mac. I mean, it would have been insane, but I, it, it was easier for Kyle, I'm sure, who's probably a little on the fence when they made the trade, but I give him ultimately took the right guy and he came around. Or even if it was like even Steven, and then the more and more they got to know, they just went with the physically gifted guy. And I'm telling you, again, this, these practices, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I, I text with a guy in the league who started his career with Belichick in like 2002. So he was there like the years they won the Super Bowl. And I was like, uh, these practices remind you uh, of back when you first got here? He's like, yeah, the, the practices Mike Vrabel used to call, he considered the Patriots the junction boys because it was just like three straight weeks, double days. Like you're just begging for water. No one can walk. Now it's the complete opposite. No one's getting hit. But he, at practice, he's just making these throws. He's going right? yeah. he just, he look, He's so much bigger than Jimmy. He can move unlike Jimmy. And while Kyle has Jimmy with the ones and him with the twos, he's cooking the books. Because Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo Samuel are rotating them with them all. Oh, right. Usually your twos are your twos and your ones are your ones. But you look up and Trey's throwing to Kittle in an 11 on 11 period. You're like, okay, you know. But he can keep saying he's running with the twos, but kind of not really. You know, maybe Trent Williams is on the sideline, but the skill guys, which matters more because you can't hit the quarterback. So he's not worried about his right tackle getting smoked because they got to stop, but he can run the routes with the guys. So it's, I think Jimmy's in trouble. I think not like his life or his, he's rich. I just mean his starting job week one is in major fucking trouble. Right. I mean, can't, couldn't we, we were pretty sure on that. Right. When they, when they made well, exactly, exactly. But, but I, when he said it in OTAs and I went to an OTA right. practice, I'm like, I think Jimmy's definitely going to get the start of the season. Like I am out on that. <laughs> out. Tyler, thank you so much for having John on tonight. I'm going to be placing my Trey Lance rookie of the year bet. Now that we, <laughs> I hear, I feel like he's sneaking in and his, his value right now is out. Tell me what you think about this, Jim, because this conversation came up in practice. You have a rookie quarterback who doesn't make any money. Right. Jimmy is scheduled to make $25 million. And right, a veteran, if you're on the roster week one, his contract is not – if they cut him, they wouldn't owe him like a million dollars dead cap or whatever. They could get out of it. But they could also just keep him. Can you have a backup quarterback in this situation making $25 million if he doesn't beat him out, or do you have to get him to take a pay cut? I think we have to be they'd have to know jimmy like you i don't know they like about G- yeah they're cool with jimmy i mean jimmy's fine I, I think i actually think yeah you could i think you could do it i do too I, a lot of people thought no chance do it because part of it like a lot of owners would be like i'm not paying 25 million dollars that's, so that's what i was gonna up, say right? everybody's on board and everybody's cool with it and understands the situation you would have never made to me that conversation should have happened hey if we're trading up Obviously, we want this guy to start. What are we going to do with Jimmy? What if we can't get rid of Jimmy? 
And Lynch, when they made the trade and even after the pick, has kind of insinuated, like, listen, our owner had to give us the go-ahead on oh, yeah. all these different scenarios. So, yeah. I Because a couple of people thought no chance. And it's rarely ever happens you get in a situation like that. But this is kind of unique, right? And you just – because if you wanted him to take like a $15 million pay cut, you're like, I want you to make $10 million. He could say, screw you, but yeah. like, who's giving him that money right now? Right. It doesn't, everyone's caps full. Right. So they kind of got him by the balls. It's a, it's a fascinating situation as we it get really closer is. to the cut. You're right. <laughs> I just love it though, because they, you make that trade. I think everybody's freaking out over Mac Jones. Cause you just know what Mac Jones is. He's every quarterback we've seen our entire lives. But if you give up three, three first, what is it, a, a fourth or no, a third for a guy you want to take a chance on something special. So when you see him out there at practice, what is the special that just jumps out to you? Is there, is there one thing? Is there two things? Is it, what about Trey Lance just makes you say, Holy shit, watching him right now. Yeah. I mean, just his physical attributes stand out like the whole package. Like I'm sure Josh Allen or Cam Newton or Mahomes, Mahomes is I mean, he throws a great ball, but he's not the biggest individual. I think Josh or, or Herbert, right. Bit. He's just, Big, strong. They run a lot of like inside zone kind of power quarterback runs. And the thing with Trey is he's not like a four, 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 three guy like Lamar. So he's not the most explosive guy, though he's fast, but he's got some wiggle and he's elusive and he's just kind of natural. As you saw, the one thing at North Dakota State that you knew he could do really well was run. And he's just kind of like a natural runner. And the Niners have had running quarterback, obviously, with Kaepernick. Kaepernick was very straight line, you know, and that was – I was a GA at Fresno State, and we played him. His speed, his play speed was elite, right? He got the open field. No one was catching him. I don't know what he ran the 40, but he played faster than that. But he couldn't make anyone miss. Mm-hmm. And if you had him cornered, he just kind of had to fall. Trey's got a little, like, juice to him. Now, your quarterback, I think this is where Lamar gets nitpicked, right? Is like, that shouldn't be his best attribute, and it's not. Like, he's pretty – he's been really accurate in practice. And the Niners aren't exactly have, like, um, you know, Mike Evans and Megatron out there. They got smaller receivers. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Brandon Ayuk, like, you got to hit him. Kittle's the one guy who will just leap up in the air. But their receivers are small, Ayuk yeah. and Debo. And he's hitting these guys because, again, they are repping with him, both of them, uh, pretty consistently, like, in the hands, making plays, making plays on the run which Jimmy just doesn't like, he can do things that Jimmy just can't do. Yeah. I thought that Quincy Avery is private QB coach. Put it he so had that well. quote to you was nailed. Yeah. yeah. Like there's things that Trey can do. Trey Lance can do that Jimmy Garoppolo can't. You can't say that same thing about Jimmy Garoppolo. You just can't. Now the one thing I would say to Quincy is like, I've seen Jimmy get crushed by NFL players in, in week 10 when they're have, when they're eight and two in a big boy game on Sunday night football and hop back up and handle shit. Like Jimmy is That's tough. True. You know, and it's like, I, I Trey, I, I think he can do it, but how, we just never know till they start getting pelted, right? Like, you just saw right away, like, Lamar's tough. Uh, Josh Allen's tough. Mahomes is tough. These guys are tough as nails. I think Trey Lance is really hard, but you got to play some games. Before. We haven't seen it. You're right. That That's the, yeah. the question mark with playing one game last season. And it's, it's, Jim, it's Jimmy's a- tough, but he also, he also gets hurt when he gets hit. So it's like, a, it's a double whammy with him. Kyle Shanahan. I mean, I, I get it. Like he's the way he devises schemes in the run game and every, everything is cutting edge and he is a genius. I mean, you guys are no better than me, but still 31 and 36. You, you miss on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes for Solomon Thomas. You 
You give the $137.5 million contract to Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, this is his third shot. Not a lot of guys get a third shot at quarterback. He's, he's got to hit it. Like, I, I love it. I love the guts to do what he did. You know, don't, you know, go, go big or go home, right? But, man, there, I feel like that maybe there should be a little more pressure on, on him that he's got to get this right. The one thing is, is back to the ownership, the Yorks, that it's been a double whammy. They haven't won that much as an owner. And when they have their one coach, like Jim wasn't nice to him, to Jed, like they love Kyle. They love John. So if they are just competitive, I mean, they don't need to do what they did two years ago, though that definitely bought them some time. I mean, it's a big deal to just make the Super Bowl, right? But they love Kyle. And Kyle is well like, but you're right. Like eventually, like you got to win some game in a division where people are constantly winning. Like McVay. I think if you ask people around here, if they say Kyle McVay, right? That's just something we talk about a lot. They're buddies. They work together. People would just be like, Kyle. But if you look at the two resumes, Sean's worst season is nine and seven, right? He just goes to Seattle last year. Wins it. Like he's accomplished and they both gone to a Super Bowl, right? Now, Sean kind of got his ass kicked and Kyle should have won, but you know, whatever. It's a loss, a loss. But like Kyle does just to me need to rattle off a couple of years where he's like 10 and seven, right. And just make a wild card. That'll just make everyone like, okay, this guy's a big time coach, but I was listening to the Steve young book. And I think you forget like around here, Bill Walsh was like, like great horseman ever to, you know, come across the Bay area. They lost a lot in the playoffs with Joe, you know, they, they lost to the bears. They lost games, to the Vikings, like they didn't win the Super Bowl every year, but he did have years where he just won it all. And Kyle just, to me, has the Super Bowl year carries a long time when you just make it. You just got to add a couple other playoff bursts, and then everyone will be really cool. I'm telling you, though, I've been around the league now for like 10 years, working in it and going to all these practices as a media guy. They are good. Like, you just go to the – they got fucking players. You know, Alex Mack's going to help. Trent Williams is a stud. Debo and – Brandon Ayuk looks fantastic. Uh, Trey Sermon, their their first-round running – we know running backs, like, he's going to be good. And Mozart, they don't even really practice him anymore. He, if you just can keep him healthy to go with the run, young running backs, you know, you got two quarterbacks now in Trey and Jimmy. Bost is a beast. Kinlaw, little immature dude, he is a massive human being. So even if he's not a great pass rusher, he'll help. He's just so big in the run game that Chris Kasarek, their defensive line coach, is big time. Yeah. Armstead is just a solid player. Fred Warner's like one of the best linebackers in the league. All their DBs hit. They can't really cover, but every single one of them will hit you hard. Like their team is just really solid, you know. And last year they went six and ten, and literally the whole team was hurt, and they went six and ten. Yeah. When you say a lot of coaches maybe win like three games in that situation, yeah, you know. John, we talked about it a couple weeks ago on our pod. Forty Niners were one of my picks. I said I don't even care who the quarterback is. Like yeah. I really don't. Like that team is so loaded. Like when you see good offensive line, defensive line, secondary quarterback they'll get that right I, I just think you know unless you're bill right and you win all these super bowls every coach gets nitpicked oh yeah right? I, I you could find people that will talk shit about sean payton you're around yeah. a guy like that you just know right away whether you have a nine and seven season or a 13 and three season you're like we got a big time dude i i spent a lot of time around coach reed and i think andy is easily the second best coach in the league i think kyle's big time I, I, I really do. I, I think he's kind of tailor-made for like this generation. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's changed a little bit and 
I think Andy's a good example is he was kind of ahead of his time because he wasn't mm-hmm. a huge yeller and a screamer. I think Sean uh, can probably be a little like that. Yeah, he was. Andy's kind of more made for the modern player, but could handle the old school player. He's like the best of both worlds. Yeah. We're like Parcells and, you know, those types were made for the old school guys. Walsh was probably way ahead of his time, right? Because he yelled at coaches, not the players, you know? And I think this generate, like, that's why I think Sean McVay, why Pete's had a lot of success. They're kind of very positive. You know, the, the world's changed. And, and I think Kyle offensively really is schematically. And I think Sean's the same thing. They're pretty, they're pretty good at what they do. You know, wait, don't we have the new Dan Campbell and Joe judge? These are the newer modern coaches that are, they get it. They are. I love, I, John, I hope I cannot wait to follow the giants and Detroit Lions this year. I am fascinated with this tough guy approach. Can I, can I push back on? Yes. Yes. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you on judge. I I think it's, it's really hard to stay on tilt like that. 24, seven, 365 in 2021, maybe Parcells and I, you know, could pull it off those type coaches. I watched a Dan Campbell press conference because everyone's, you know, making fun of him. His sound bites are, you definitely can pull them and it can feel like Tom, his whole press conference though, he, I think he's smarter than people give him credit for. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. really impressed. Yeah. Like he was just like, you know, I, I don't know if he's super tough guy all the time, Okay. by the way, the media portrays him. And then I go, I was thinking like, well, Sean Payton made him his assistant head coach for the last five. I actually think he's pretty impressive, even though everyone's looking at him like that. And like, I was Deuce Daly hired. Like, I think he hired a bunch of good Deuce, coaches. I love that Deuce hire. Yeah, me too. So I, I'm now if he is if he plays the Joe Judge role and that's all he does, I'm with you. They're in trouble. I just want to and see the Lions, play it. Lions yeah. are going to suck, you know, and they're going to be terrible this year. I just want to see, see it. Yeah, I just want to see how it goes. I'm, I'm not saying you, it can't work, but these guys are amazing right now. I, I heard I heard Michael Lombardi say on his podcast they must have read or it came out that Chris Spielman, you know, who's like I don't even know what his title is. He's like executive, but he's a coach, but he's like the GM is like coaching linebackers at practice, like on the side. And Lombardi was like, have you ever heard of like a dude who's definitely a personnel executive at a practice, like talking to players about scheme stuff after practice? Can we that, please, would you Tyler, Would you agree that's impossible? Yes. Tyler, can we go to Detroit immediately and do our start doing our pods live at every line? Little known fact, Aaron Rodgers actually wants to coach the Packers linebackers in addition to trading for those linebackers. So it's a segue into something we really don't talk a lot about on here. No, yeah, that's that's very odd. Very odd. You know what I do love about you know we're nitpicking with Kyle Shanahan here and there. I I agree with everything you said. He does have a big ego, but I kind of like that. You know, I feel like you can't be him and and Han and overly cautious and tiptoeing around big decisions and and stuff like that. But you you know him well. You know people who know him really well. I don't. I know one team that he interviewed with before he got this job. Um, that should have hired him. They were turned off by the ego, the, the fact that Kyle Shanahan wanted power and control, and they thought he carried himself with, you know, an undeserved sense of, um, you know, uh, accomplishment or entitlement. But I, some of that is needed because otherwise you're probably not pulling off this trade. Otherwise you're not drafting a Trey Lance, and, and you're not taking this team into the next generation. Like you have to. Why well, I, I can't relate. My dad was just a farmer. But if my dad had been Mike Shanahan, and I've heard Kyle talk about this, and you saw like your dad, he was a ball boy for the powerhouse Niner teams when Steve Young swore by Mike Shanahan, and they were like at the peak of their powers. 
he demanded Pat Bolin. He told this to Sean McVay's podcast. You know, the guy, the head coach of the Rams has a podcast. And uh, he said yeah. that uh, Mike was turning down jobs. And then eventually got Pat Bolin said the only way to take the job was if he would run his operation like the Niners and convince him to. And then he starts winning multiple Super Bowls. You just think about it like a guy whose dad was that good at his job. And Mike clearly was an elite coach, right, in his heyday. And then you become a coach. And you know everything from your dad, and then you learn it. Because a lot of people that, like, let's say grow up rich because their dad was a good business guy, it doesn't mean necessarily they're going to be a good business guy. But if your dad grows up rich but shows you all the secrets, yeah, you're kind of arrogant and cocky like him, but you also know what you're talking about, like, you're actually kind of double cocky, right? Because you're like, I fucking better know what I – I mean, I've been doing this where you spent 18 years growing up as a little kid. I was living, breathing, and sleeping this, Right. And so it's like, I'm with you. I, I think some people historically have been turned off by him. I had always heard, like, he's kind of a dick. That's what I always thought. Yeah. And then he's been here. He's been the nice guy in the world. People like him. But he's clearly very arrogant when it comes to football because deep down, I would imagine he'd tell you, like, I just know more football than most people. Mm-hmm. And right. then he said like, that basically a few times. Yeah. And then think about, like, he worked for Gruden, who's probably the most cocky coach in the history of football. And then he works for his dad. It's like, and then he kind of gets his own shot and gets to like control an offense leads Matt Ryan to the MVP and takes the Falcons to the Super Bowl. He's thinking like, well, shit. I mean, who knows more than me? Right. And the Niners people forget, like they were such a joke when he got here that last chip Kelly season, they were so bad. And then a couple years later, he's like in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I do understand it. And I think coaches, I think most coaches, probably head coaches have very, very healthy, whether it's ego, cockiness, confidence. It's like a combination of it all. And it's hard to, I I do think it's hard for them because you have these huge alpha males always staring at you to kind of like interact normally in society. Like you just kind of, you kind of live a weird life. It's hard, right? Because you can't really turn it off probably besides like when you go home to your wife and maybe your kids, but you can't really be out. It's hard. And I, I, so true. I do think he does a pretty good job like out in society, like with people, he's friendly to people and stuff. So I, yeah, I don't, his personality also, like he's not like Sean McVay, for example, is much more like smiles and he's just happier all the time. That's not really Kyle's just feels like he's like a little angrier sometimes or like just kind of just not as extroverted all the time. Yeah. So I think your personality, the way people perceive you makes people assume that's who you are all the time. The, uh, the, uh, sorry, when, ahead, when is that first uh, – when is the first Rams-Niner uh, game? I don't think it's till like week six or seven. Rams open up with the – well, the Colts open up Seattle-LA. Uh, think of what a break – think of what yeah, a break that's what that I wanted to hear. Like, what do you, yeah, how do you see this going? This, this division is going to be – I mean, this is one that just every week to watch. Yeah, I mean these teams have been going to war. It felt like I can't like. wait to see this play out. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I could see. I can't see the Cardinals winning the division. I don't either. That's the one team. Like I can't see Cliff hanging with these guys, and their scheme is just when I you practice against watching, every day. I can't stand watching Arizona on tape. Why is that, Jim? Despite. What don't you like about it? It's 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 no. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just it's like Kyler. Just please run around and do something or else he's doing it on his own and not doing what they want. It, it's, there's no rhythm to it. There's no like power to it. Um, it's, it's too, um, I don't want to say gimmicky, but just based on pure Kyler 
Hopkins make plays for us, like be athletes. And it's like, I, I like that sometimes that just, we know what we're doing. We're dictating the defense. I, and Kyler is, can be special. I'm not saying he's a problem. I still think he has a long ways to go. I don't think he's close to Stafford, you know, and, and so I don't know if they're good enough. My, my theory has always been more for, for college. And now that some of these teams like chip did it and now cliffs does it. How do you establish a tough defense when you run such soft plays in practice? Hmm. You know, good so point. it's like Arizona's not very good. Why, why was Jim Harbaugh's defense good? Well, they had good players, but his favorite play was power, you know? Power. So it's like, you're just, I'm mean, at nine or practice. They are running. They put use check in there. They just smash you. And it's just collisions. I bet if I went to Arizona practice, it's just, you know, they got four or five wide, you know, Chandler Jones, a great player. He can make plays, but it's like, he's not getting every day, just pounding it, you know? So I, and think about that, that division now, Kyle and Sean do the same things. Now they do, you know, plays change a little bit, but the, the, the base of their offense, Pete hires Sean McVay's guy to, cause what he's thinking, like these two offenses, like I want to do that. So now you got three offenses that just give or take, they're going to build plays around certain players, but are going to be mirror images of each other a little bit, right? Which they want to run the ball down your throat. So one thing I respect most about Kyle and McVay is for younger coaches, you know, passing is pretty sexy. It gets you, it gets you famous. They don't, they would have no problem running it 30 times a game if it, and run for 300 yards. And just, the NFC championship game with Shanahan. Yeah. Especially Kyle. Kyle loves to run the ball. Loves it. You're absolutely right. So does his dad, you know, I mean, that is, that becomes the ethos of of your whole team. Like how, how you practice even this time of year. I just remember being in green Bay, Mike McCarthy, players talk about this after the fact. I mean, they barely hit, never tackled, but barely hit, you know, pass first pass often, never really emphasized the run game and never really was around the defense himself as the head coach. And that just kind of seeps through every pore of your organization. So, so yeah, they win 12, 13 games. And what happens when they get into January, they get, they get their ass kicked year after year. They always so, get out physical, right? Yeah. They yeah. always get out physical. And I think that's the one, like Kyle plays a lot of scout team quarterback in certain situations during, you know, practice. I know he does it during the regular season. So he's just around the defensive guy. So you just feel his presence all the time, right? New England's the best example for 20 years. Bill knows everything everyone's doing. So it's like, why'd you screw that up? A lot of coaches, if you're a defensive coach, you might not know the route, right? You're like, uh, what's the, what's the play? And you might not even know the play, but you can't get that by. When you can't get that by a coach, it holds a standard. And yeah, I just think that it's why I'm, it's why I'm out on cliff. Cause their roster actually, like Jim said, I mean, they got some players, you know? Quarterback's a very talented player. He gives the whole division problems just because he they actually play better against the division than like you can turn them on against like the Jets. It's like, God, is Arizona losing the Jets or the Giants? Right. And then right. you watch them against Seattle or the Niners, and they're, you know, they're they're losing by 20. You're like, what's what's going on with this team? But it's toughness because the one thing Seattle, LA, and the Niners have, like, they want to a lot of their games end up like high teens because it's just a war zone. Even when Seattle is quote unquote their defense sucks. I remember going to a Monday night game two years ago. They went to like overtime on Monday night football at Levi Stadium. And everyone, Seattle's defense had like two good players. I swear to God, every guy looked like they were trying to knock everyone out. I'm like, I would take everyone on this defense. Cause that night, I would imagine that week of practice, the way Pete is, 
it felt like a war zone out there. Oh and God. that's just that's just how their games are. It's why the Niners, even when they're off, they approach the division games like they throw Arizona around. And they did late in the season last year, and it cost Arizona the playoffs. And I just think in this division, in these big games, it's not going to be a Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, 35 to 30 game. It's going to end up like, you know, 24 to 20 and like, there's going to be one touchdown in the fourth quarter and you, you better have Kittle's going to be knocking guys at people are just going to be flying around and you better be ready to go. I, I was, I remember thinking Seattle, they had just traded for the dude from the lions, uh, the safety that you know, the lions hated. And uh, I'm trying to think he, he hit someone so hard. I'm like, I thought Seattle's defense sucked. That, that was like the hardest hit I've ever seen in person. So true. I just have memories of like Richard Sherman just hobbling off the field with a torn Achilles, you know, against yeah. Arizona and the lime green, like, like his, his Achilles ruptured and you shouldn't just walk out. There's that I mean, those Niner teams before we hit record. I mean, back in 2011, 2012, man, they would just beat the hell out of you. One well, and the Rams now, I mean, their tone is set by 99. So they just, yeah. Now we'll see. They've lost some guys and Brandon Staley, but Ramsey's a physical corner. Like he's not afraid to tackle. I, the one thing I've learned from watching the last couple of years of the Niners team is like, if your corners will really hit, because most teams, their front seven will hit, right? Your line and your linebackers want to hit people, but a lot of DBs are hit or miss last year. And this is when they had Richard, who's like the greatest tackling corner of all time. Every single one of their DBs would hit you. All their corners, you know, K1 Williams, Richard Sherman, all Pete's guys always want to tackle Jalen Ramsey. So all the DBs in this division will hit you. So it's like, it's not just seven guys trying to tackle you and the other four, like, you know, shoestring tackle you. It's all 11 guys. Jimmy Ward. I was watching him at practice the other day. Like he's a little guy, but he will crush you. That You know where he's from. Alabama. I think Mobile. Yeah. He's, I got to give Trent Baalke some credit on that one because one of his last picks. Trent Baalke, I always thought – I know we're. – I was talking to somebody about him the other day. I can't imagine what that situation in Jacksonville is like. <laughs> I can't imagine. I would be – it would be – that's where we need hard knocks every day. What but are the, what are, what are those two talk about on a day? I don't – I can't imagine. I can't even – I've talked to a couple of scouts that are still there, and it's – What do they say? It's just high, intense, just it's people are on eggshells? Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. A lot of people don't know who's doing what, but they will figure. Balky does pick good players, though. He really has. He's really made some good drafts. Those two in a vacuum, right? We know Urban can coach, and we know Balky can pick players. It's like, can they work together? I, I don't know. That's, it's going to be fascinating. <laughs> I mean, that is that was such a big change in, in San Francisco to go from Trent Balky, who you know does a really good job, but he he doesn't want to sit at a press conference and you know, represent the team vocally day in and day out, be the face, you know, John Lynch does. I mean, he's a great figurehead, you know, for your franchise. Well, let's just just say the elephant in the room here. And listen, Trent's always been cool to me. We've always got along. A lot of people think he's an asshole. And a lot of people, like, he just rubs people the wrong way. Where John Lynch, people think he's like, you meet him once, people think he's the greatest human being you've ever met. Right, right, (laughs) right. He saved Solomon Thomas's life, basically. (laughs) I mean, really, like, (laughs) So he's in a dark place, having dark thoughts. And that's what he said. Like John Lynch could saw something was wrong, sat down next to him in the cafeteria. Richard Sherman's first help. call after he got arrested was John Lynch. He's Richard Sherman's not even on the Niners. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. 
John Lynch is really legitimately. I don't. I don't. It's hard to tell GM. You know who's picking the players. Only him and Kyle would truly know. A fantastic human being. You know, like going to the Hall of Fame. Like he's a Hall of Fame human being. Like the league is lucky to have guys like him just representing the. You know, Rogers has the shield and that shit. He is like, he's up there. Like you, you'd want him around your league till he the rest of his life. Well said, man. Well, hey, before we lose you, let's hear it. I mean, NFC West, what's going to shake out here? Uh, I think my my gut pick on paper going in would just be the Rams. Uh, you know, last year they won 10 games. This year they get Stafford. But, I mean, I, I would say Seattle, it's weird. They won 12 games last year, but they didn't feel like a 12-win team. They felt more like a 10-win team. But yeah. you can never discount Russell in this division. Um and I, I think the Niners are going to be good, but if Trey starts week one, it is a rookie quarterback, and you know some of these games are going to be tough. So I, I, I'd, I think all three make the playoffs, and I think that, and I think the Cardinals. It's not like I think they're like a three-win team. Like they, they'll underachieve, but they'll win seven, eight games, you know, and be just feisty. But yeah, this division is going to be. Uh, I would pick the Rams, but you know, just. Because I do think Trey's going to end up starting, and it's just you know rookie quarterback. Even despite their infrastructure, just, that's tough, isn't it? It is, but you know, he—I don't think he would turn it over. The league's never been easier for a quarterback to kind of come. Yeah, just. But you know, he he will. The one thing he will throw it because he has a big arm. Mm-hmm. So you just, you know, this ain't you ain't playing Weber State here. So you let it rip, and that corner's a little faster, you know, and you know he's still. I, I, I'm not saying the Niners can't, and I'm not saying Seattle can't. It wouldn't shock me if anything. The Rams are my pick, and I think the other two make a wild card. And could, could easily, like, both wild card teams win a game. You know, I was like, I, I wouldn't want to play them in the first round of the wild card. And, dude, John, that was phenomenal. Thanks so much for coming on. At John Middlecall, right? Right on Twitter, podcast, videos. You have everything right there. Uh, we got to get you out of uh, California. Before we started this, you know, we're complaining about California and New York state. We all should just move to a, to a better state and do this in person at some point. Right. Yeah. Come, come meet me. And I'm a West coast guy. So I'm headed to Arizona. You okay. Know, I like yeah, the heat. That's good. That works. Dry heat. Dry heat. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, thanks so much, man. Great to see you. Yeah. See you fellas. Have a good thanks guys. Enjoyed thanks. it.